On Sunday, I saw a post on Facebook that said that if Michael Smith had not been murdered, he would be 30 years old that day. I was instantly taken back to that moment in time when in a town less than 20 miles from me, a mother said that she was driving with her children and at a stoplight, she was carjacked and her two boys were kidnapped. It seems like forever ago, but the emotions of that case are still as fresh as the day the truth came out. Hey guys, and welcome to this week's edition of What the Friday. Now, I know we've talked about moms who kill before, but for some reason I've waited to talk about Susan Smith. But when I saw that post about Michael's birthday, I knew that it was time. Mystery, Murder, and Magic proudly presents What the Friday! And here's your host, Andrea. Now, in 10 days, it will be 27 years since the news broke that just outside of Union, South Carolina, a mom named Susan Smith was driving with her two boys, three-year-old Michael and 14-month-old Alexander. And when they came to a red light, the car was carjacked by a black man, according to Susan. That was late at night, I believe, on October 25th, 1994. And I didn't know really anything about it until the next morning when I was watching the local news. Now, I saw Susan standing there with her estranged husband, David, talking about what had happened. But even from that first time that I saw her on TV, I just kind of felt like she was lying. Now, I didn't think that it was to the extent that she had killed her children, but I just knew she wasn't being truthful about something. But now, you know, my mom, she was there with me and she was telling me that, you know, I was crazy or whatever. She's, I mean, back in those days, you know, you just didn't hear of things like that happening around here because our little area of the world is until that time we had pretty much been living in a bubble and was protected from all of that but the entire world was actually pulled into this case and it made international headlines and here in the immediate area people were like freaking out now like i said i knew that from the get-go that something wasn't right about her story but like i said i didn't know what it was getting close to time for kids to go trick-or-treating and people were afraid to go out with their kids now, my daughter, Courtney, she was about 17 months old at the time, so we stayed at home a lot just to stay away from possible strangers, or dangers, not strangers, but dangers. Now, during all this time of the searches and the panic, the small town of Union became quite the media hub. There was satellite trucks everywhere, and even Oprah Winfrey did an episode from that area. And there were so many emotions during this time also, and you could literally feel each and every one of them when you went anywhere in the area. It was almost like putting a spoonful of vegetable soup in your mouth and then tasting each individual flavor. But then there's that one specific flavor or texture that's overwhelming. That's the only way I know to put it. But not too far from where Susan said that her kids were kidnapped was John D. Long Lake. Now, I can remember during the time that the children were missing, um, there were several searches of the lake that took place, and the authorities were finding nothing, or at least they weren't finding anything in the beginning. 
For nine days, Susan made these dramatic pleas on TV for the return of her children. But if you watched her closely, there wasn't like one single tear falling from her eyes. I mean, you could chalk that up to like maybe being in shock over what happened. But as we learn later, Susan was the center of her own world. And it was all about her. But finally, on November the 3rd of that same year, Susan broke down and confessed that she had let her car with her two young sons strapped into the back seat, roll into John D. Long Lake, and then she ran away. So why on earth would a young mom murder her children like that and then like concoct such a story? Well, the simple answer was a man. Apparently, Susan was in love with a very wealthful, wealthy local man named Tom Finley. Susan worked in the front office of a company there in Union called Conso, and that is where she met Tom. Soon the two were having an affair, and at one point, Susan admitted to sleeping with Tom's father, J. Carey Finley, but she later retracted that statement. But it is known that just 10 days before her children were drowned in the lake, she was partying nude with Tom at a hot tub party at the Finley Estate. Now, at some point between that party and the night Michael and Alex were drowned, Tom told Susan that he didn't want a ready-made family. Now, did that mean that he wanted her to get rid of her kids? Hell no. I don't think anyone in their right mind would think that's what he meant. Well, Susan thought that if she got rid of her kids, then Tom would want her. So she made a plan and put it into action. On that October night, she drove to John D. Long Lake, just outside of Union. She got out of her car, closed the door, and she let it roll into that cold, murky water. Now, what the hell kind of person does something like that i mean obviously a person like susan smith and an fbi agent said that she ran away with her ears covered so that she didn't have to hear any of the noises like her car hitting the water or maybe even her baby screaming or anything um now i heard that the kids were asleep when all this happened and we can only hope that they didn't witness anything but um she ran away, and she ran all the way to the home of Shirley and Ricky McLeod, and they lived, like, right near the entrance to that lake. Now, Shirley told the media later that she could hear sobs coming from Susan long before she knocked on the door, and when she opened the door, Susan blurted out, He's got my children. Well, apparently, her family, they drove out to um, the McLeod residence to comfort her, and... When her mom arrived, one of the first things she even said to Susan was about how she should have kept her doors locked. I mean, instead of comforting her child, um, she got on to her for not locking her doors. I think that's just probably the part of the problem is, I don't know, it just seems like Susan's mom cared about appearances more than she cared about her daughter. But anyway... One thing that I do um, want to mention here is that David, her estranged husband, wrote a book, um, and it was called Beyond All Reason. Well, in that book, he talked about when he was driving Susan away from the McLeod's residence, 
that she mentioned that they should probably stop and purchase some refreshments because the police would be at their house. I mean, who worries about feeding the cops when your kids are missing? I mean, I, I just don't know. I don't understand that. But anyway, now, there was a lot of inconsistencies in Susan's story. And it was later revealed that investigators had their doubts about her story from the beginning. So I wasn't the only one that knew something was off, too. Um, into the second day of the investigation, authorities were hoping that Susan knew where her kids were and that they were okay. Now, like I said earlier, in my personal account of those days, they did start searching ponds and lakes, including John D. Long Lake. Now, it wasn't located during the first search of the car, or the, the car and the children, I should say, um, because they believed that the car wouldn't have drifted further than 30 feet from the, that shore, so they didn't look further that first search. Also, on that second day, the biggest break in the case came through when Susan described where she had been carjacked. Susan told investigators that she was stopped at a red light at an empty intersection in the Monarch community. While she was stopped there, an unknown black man opened the passenger door and got into the car. He pressed a handgun into her side and told her to drive. Well, Susan says she was terrified and she drove about eight miles into the countryside on Highway 49. And the entire time, the carjacker was telling her not to look at him. So I guess that's why she didn't really have an accurate description of the man. But anyway, once they reached the area of John D. Long Lake, he told her to stop the car and get out. When she asked if she could take her kids, she says that he told her that he didn't have time for her to get the kids out of the car. And according to Susan, the man promised he wouldn't hurt her babies. And as he drove away with them, she shouted that she loved them. And he left her there in the middle of the road. But that story was impossible from the beginning because the only way that light would have been red at that particular intersection was if there was another vehicle there on the road that intersected that road that she was on. So investigators just basically knew she was lying. Now, as the days passed by, Susan started to weaken. There was a lot of scrutiny coming towards her from all directions. Um... You know, the sheriff and investigators, they were kind of coming down on her and doubting her story. Uh, the media was after her. There was angry people all over the planet that was, like, starting to doubt her story. And then there was also the African-American community who was, to say the least, upset because she had blamed the entire thing on a non-existent black man. Well, finally, on November the 3rd, Susan caved and she confessed. But before confessing, she asked Sheriff um, Howard Wells to pray with her. And then she asked for his gun so she could kill herself. When Wells asked her why she would want to kill herself, she started, or she stated that her children were not okay. Well, she poured her heart out, you know, told what happened, and they searched John D. Long Lake again. And this time they searched further out, and they found the car with the children still strapped inside 122 feet from the shore. Now, I can't even imagine how horrifying it would be to stand on the lake shore while this car with two precious little babies are being pulled out of the water. 
And get this, somehow the car had flipped over when it was sinking in the lake. It was it was upside down. Those babies were suspended upside down when they drowned. It's just horrific. Well, of course, she was um, charged with her murders. And in July of 1995, her trial began. She was represented by David Bruck and Judy Clark. In her opening statement, Clark said that Susan was a very troubled woman and suffered from depression. She went on to say that this wasn't a case about evil. It was a case about despair and sadness. And according to the defense, Susan had actually driven to the lake that night to kill herself and her sons. But in the words of her attorney, her body willed itself out of the car. Now, I don't know about you, but I'm not buying any of that. I do believe that Susan has some sort of mental illness, but she was never going to kill herself. We all know that any defense attorney isn't going to get in court and say that their client basically messed up and killed their children because she was in love with a man who didn't want a family. You know, um, Tommy Pope and his prosecution team, they had a different theory. Prosecution are, uh, argued that Susan killed her kids so that she could run off and start a whole new life with Tom Finley, who, by the way, was one of the witnesses in the trial. When he was on the stand, Finley said that he had made it clear to Susan that the relationship that the two of them had was strictly friends with benefits, but I guess Susan didn't see it that way. Now, although he was testifying against her, he said that Susan was a very caring and loving friend to everyone. He had never seen her being confrontational, and she was always upbeat, and she wasn't a vindictive person. But he also said that she was mentally unstable, and that although she that he hadn't wanted a family, he never told Susan to kill her kids. But that's not the only tea that was spilled during that trial, because Susan's stepfather, Beverly Russell, was put on the witness stand. And he actually admitted that he sexually abused Susan when she was younger. And, of course, the defense just snapped that opportunity up to make Susan the victim. Now, I'm not saying that she's not the victim because it's truly sad if that did happen. But um, Mr. Russell went on to say that just weeks before Michael and Alex were murdered, he and Susan had had a consensual sexual relationship. And get this, her mom knew that Beverly had been raping her as a child, but they just kind of swept it under the rug and she didn't want charges pressed. I, I don't get it. And then um, also later and when she was in high school, um, the counselor at the high school told her mom and stepdad that Susan really needed to see a therapist for her depression and they didn't do that either. I guess it's just all about appearances for them, but um. The defense used her lengthy list of sexual relationships to their advantage by saying that Susan was taken advantage of in all of those situations, and she was given, or she was again the victim, And Ms., but Mr. Pope reminded them um, in his closing arguments of how it had always been poor Susan, but now it's poor Michael and Alice. He also spoke about how for those nine days before her confession, she tried to manipulate people around her, including her estranged husband, who was just in utter shock. And in those nine days, David Smith, who is the boy's dad, he defended Susan. 
Now, can you imagine the betrayal and all the other emotions he felt when she did confess? I mean, you might be separated, but you still don't think that the mother of your kids is capable of doing anything like that. Now, it only took two hours of deliberation for the jury to come back with a guilty verdict on both counts of murdering Michael and Alex. Tommy Pope was all for giving Susan the death penalty, and he made a passionate argument for it, but in the end, the jury voted for giving her life in prison, and I have to admit, I was disappointed when she didn't get the death penalty, because I thought that if anyone deserved to be put to death for their crimes, it was definitely Susan Smith. Now, since she's been incarcerated, she hasn't, like, faded into the background, in 2000, it was found out that Susan had had sex with a prison, prison guard named Houston Cagle. Now, he was fired from his job, and he spent three months in prison himself after he pled guilty to their um, sexual relationship. And later, another prison employee named Alfred Rowe pled guilty to the same charges, and he received five years of probation. Well, since her conviction, Susan has expressed that she regrets her crimes, but like she has from the beginning, she still denies killing her children for a man, and she even said that it hurts her that people think that. She went on to say in a letter to the state newspaper that she was not in her right mind and that it wasn't planned, but then contradicted herself by saying that she had planned on killing herself first and then leave a note behind explaining what had happened. Now, Susan will be eligible for parole in 2024, and we can only hope she is denied and stays put. Now, another thing about John DeLong Lake is after the tragedy that claimed the lives of Michael and Alex Smith, the area became somewhat of like a, a tourist attraction of sorts. People came from all over to see where the horrible tragedy had taken place and to see a monument that was erected in the children's memory. Well, the following September, after those kids had been murdered, a group of 10 people drove to the lake in a Chevrolet Suburban. They parked next to the boat ramp, and they shone their headlights into the murky waters. Well, five of the vehicle's occupants had gotten out of the vehicle, and that left one child, or one adult, and four children inside the vehicle. Well, suddenly the Suburban started rolling, and it couldn't be stopped. It plunged into 15 feet of water, and all who were still inside drowned. Two of those who were outside of the vehicle swam out to try and rescue them, but they also drowned. One of those that swam out to try to rescue the people in the Suburban was the mother of three of the kids that was in that Suburban. Now, the incident was ruled accidental, and it claimed an entire family who was visiting from a small community called Buffalo, and that's just like west of, of Union. Now, killed in that accident were 26-year-old Tim Phillips, his wife, 22-year-old Angie, their children, Courtney, who was aged four, Melina, who was 23 months, and four-month-old Kinsley. Now, there was another three-year-old child in the car, and 29-year-old Carl Sidney White were also drowned in the accident. And it was found that the father of those children, Tim Phillips, was in the driver's seat when that vehicle was pulled from the lake. It almost makes you wonder if it was just a coincidence or the place is actually haunted. I mean, and others, it's not just me, others have 
voice this opinion about it too. Well, that's all I've got for this week is what the Friday. Now, keep your fingers crossed that Susan is denied parole in 2024. And don't forget that tomorrow night we're doing a special edition live. And you can find like all the details of that on our social media accounts. Y'all have a very good night. <laughs>